The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com. Helping Isle of Man companies and citizens to understand net zero targets and a green future. Fastamai, good afternoon. Just after midday on a rather snowy, in some areas, Tuesday the 17th of January, this is Manx Radio's Man in Line and it's Beth again looking after things while Andy's on holiday. Now maybe you want to pick up on some of the things we talked about on yesterday's programme with Manx Care. Waiting times came up a lot. Maybe you've got some thoughts about gas bills we've heard from the Islands Energy Group this week. Or maybe you just want to talk snow. We can let people know about cancellations or postponements. Just get in touch. Whatever is on your mind this lunchtime, 66 13 68 is the number to call. You can also text 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com. Just joined in the studio now by Ben Hartley. You had a busy morning this morning, didn't you? It was indeed, yeah. First snow day for quite some time and actually driving in uh, from Peel to Douglas. Without a doubt, the worst I'd seen it for several years. Peel, not a drop. And I think it was the same when you left as well, a few hours after I did. But then when I got beyond QE2 on the main road, it was ferociously snowing, really very heavy. It was starting to stick and quite a, a thick covering. Uh, once I was beyond Greba and Crosby, things did improve. But I was definitely starting to get uh, a little nervous shall we say about just how things were looking a lot of snow coming down at that point it's really interesting isn't it because I say when I woke up looked out the window there was not a flake anywhere so when I told the kids it was a snow day they immediately ran outside (laughs) and were very disappointed that there was uh, no snow to be seen and certainly no snow people to be made well the police have just tweeted a photo about half an hour ago comparing Port Erin to the mountain bright sunshine in the south of the island a lot of sunshine across Douglas at the moment as well but not a drop in Port Erin a lot of the south escaped Uh, Stuart from the Met Office was saying earlier it really has affected some parts quite widely other parts nothing at all so uh, yeah definitely one of those days and we are going to be keeping up to date with what's happening i hope we'll have an interview very shortly um just about how emergency planning goes for this type of weather event because although we knew there might be some snow showers i think it has taken a lot of people by surprise certainly that decision by about the schools not made lightly and no not at all obviously uh, a lot goes into that and i think as the morning unfolded um, we were seeing more and more uh, routes affected by the snow uh, a lot of cars getting stuck and it was just after 7 30 when we had official word from the department of education that uh, all schools uh, would be shut today and of course we're now looking ahead to tomorrow because again Stewart at the Met Office said that actually there will be further snowfall later today, overnight as well. We could be in a similar situation early doors tomorrow. So again, we'll watch everything very closely here and keep your eyes up to date. Should say though, there are some fantastic photographs on the Manx Radio Facebook page. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much to everyone who's sent photographs through. Uh, some absolute belters on there. So we've compiled an album on our Facebook page, also across all of our social media and manxradio.com as well as on air. We're keeping you right up to date with all the latest travel disruption. It seems at the moment things not as bad. It's just the mountain road, Thalty Will, Benny Park, Portown Road, 
Old Castletown Road and Summer Hill that are currently shut and bus services massively affected this morning. It seems, albeit I'm sure with delays in places, they do seem to be returning to a, a certain amount of normality. But uh, yes, keep right up to date across our social media and at manxradio.com. All the details there as well about Manx Care, who are under a lot of pressure uh, their services today. Thank you very much indeed, Ben. And as Ben says, we'll keep you right up to date with the very latest. Those road closures and openings are a changing picture as we move through the day. Uh, 11 minutes past 12. Well, yesterday on the programme, we were talking to Manx Care and we didn't get round to every message that was sent in. But afterwards, I recorded another 20 minutes or so with the guests that were with me. And you can listen back to that at manxradio.com. One of the things, though, that did come up was how well people understand what Manx Care is all about as it approaches its second anniversary in April. Well, this came about from a message sent in, which I did put to Manx Care CEO, Teresa Cope. This is from a texter ending 600, who says, Who is Manx Care? How did they get here? I have not given permission for my own medical records to be shared, and I'm not happy at the way the DHSC has in any event sold personal information to another source. Is this not a large-scale breach? of our data which is meant to be protected. No. So, so Manx Care came about as a result of Sir Jonathan Michael's recommendations published in 2019, which essentially said that Department of Health and Social Care had too big a remit. So it had responsibility for setting policy, legislation, strategy. I suppose it's difficult, though, for the public to understand this if they're not really versed in in this sort of language isn't it and what is maybe perceived is that another layer of bureaucracy has just been added more people more managers more money that isn't directed at primary care how would you react to that so i think it was quite transparent um through the um through through manx care being established what it was going to cost but fundamentally it was perceived by the council of ministers and by tim wald as whatever additional costs were going to be incurred by setting up a new arm's length organisation were worth the benefits of being able to have an organisation with a different uh, group of executive directors and non-executive directors governing the delivery of health and care and being able to uh, do all the necessary improvements and transformation. Something I wanted to ask you about during the programme, um, but we didn't get round to it, is some of the administration issues which have been highlighted by members of the public. People getting letters on the day that their appointments are actually due or not mm. getting uh, letters at all, etc. And I suppose people want to know why the basics aren't really being sorted out and so much money is invested in this change what's going wrong yeah i think the transformation program has identified that there has an awful lot of improvement required across all of health and care and that started with the 26 recommendations from sir jonathan michael which were very broad ranging both from the sort of administrative and back office functions to the functioning of public health to how we create a contemporary health health and care system. Um, We've obviously then subsequently had uh, the Care Quality Commission come in and regulators. And, you know, I think the reality is uh, we have some excellent clinical services and uh, but we also have a number of areas where we, we really need to prove and, and we've act, acknowledged that. Um, I completely acknowledge that some of our administrative processes are are quite outdated. Um, they do need to be modernised and improved and, and that is part of the programme of, of, of work. 
That's the Manx Care CEO, Theresa Cope. And I say much more in that podcast that I recorded with all the guests who were here yesterday. You can find that at manxradio.com. But what do you make of what uh, Theresa Cope was saying there? How well do you actually understand what Manx Care is, what it's about, what its aims are? Um, and I suppose, you know, as, as Theresa Cope said there, two years, it's still not a great deal of time when there's so much change to be made. What do you think about that? Just to let you know that the weather warning has been extended. If you get the Everbridge notifications, you might have already heard about this, but this warning replaces uh, the one issued earlier and it's valid from 11.30 today until 12 tomorrow. Snow showers continuing to affect the island throughout this period with the risk area extending to the south of the island as well as elsewhere. Further one to three centimetres accumulations of snow likely, especially at night, more over higher ground for low level showers they may start to fall as sleet rather than snow and icy stretches are expected to develop through this evening and overnight in areas away from the strong northwest wind as well as higher ground above 500 feet so there will be a risk of ice forming as well in low-lying areas sheltered from the wind and this warning they say likely to be reissued and extended tomorrow morning. So we will bring you all the details as we have them. We know Tim will postpone today. It is hoping to get underway tomorrow. We'll keep you updated on that. And the unexpected school closure. Have your kids taken that one? Strikes, snow, it's all been happening, hasn't it? 66 13 68, if you've got time to have a little chat on air this afternoon. Uh, let's take some of your text messages. TJ's been in touch to say, does anyone else agree that the £60 parking fines going to £90 after 30 days issued by the authorities is a bit strong in this age of austerity? Racketeering, perhaps? £60 is a week family's food or half of someone's rent. Yes, there should be fines for parking violations, but isn't £20 going to 30 after 30 days, fair and more balanced with our meagre earnings. Furthermore, what do they do with all the money they get through in parking fines? That last one, an interesting question, TJ. I think we'll ask uh, ask that question. Um, but what do you think? Are the fines too much? If it was lower, would it be enough of a deterrent for you not to park where you shouldn't do? Uh, a very concerned watchman Ian has messaged to say I'd like to highlight the bias in the questionnaire that's been put out regarding assisted dying. It's very weighted in its grammar in favour of assisted dying and quite misleading and uh, he also believes Dr Allenson should pay no part in this questionnaire and it should be overseen by a neutral body. Now it's interesting on Monday's programme we were talking a lot about assisted dying and I just want you to play or I want to play you a message that was left about this on the Man in Line answer phone. Hello I'm ringing up regarding uh, assisted dying. Uh, I'd just like to say that I nursed for a very 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 long time and I've nursed the dying and I've seen people chronically ill, chronically in pain, and I've seen people depressed. And I've also seen a lot of the people rally and get better, and they thank every day they're alive. Just be very careful what you wish for, because it's a dangerous, dangerous act. Also, when they make a statement regarding it will apply to the elderly and terminally ill, whatever, What do they mean by elderly? What criteria do you have to meet regarding age as being enabled to, you know, assisted dying? Is it just like, oh, I'm 80, I'm too old, I don't want to live? Well, that's not the case. I know lots and lots of older people. But I tell you what, older people now are frightened because once you open this door, it won't close. 
be very careful what you wish for and also one case is not every case i've nursed got friends got family who've recovered from cancer and they're living their best lives and it's just to compare us to with animals or human beings and i know a person living with chronic pain every day and every day she wakes up and she thanks god to see the blue sky and smell the fresh air even though she does suffer different cases marks different oh, i don't know it's just just awful sorry bye Incredibly emotive, isn't it? That number left on the man in line answer phone. 682631, incidentally, is that number. And you can call it any time and leave a message which may be played out. We'll take a short break and come back to some of your texts and emails. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, your one-stop shop for advice on renewable energy solutions and other green initiatives. It's 12.21. Lovely to have your company this afternoon. Chris Quirk, ready and waiting to take a call if you fancy having a chat on air. 66 13 68 is the number to call. Lots of texts and emails, though, to get through. This was one that was sent in a little while ago, actually, from Maggie in Solby, who says, let's stop with the negative vibes, as Oddball from Kelly's Heroes would say. Last week, my husband ordered his meds from Ramsey Group Practice on Monday. They were delivered on Wednesday evening. I think, says Maggie, we should stop talking ourselves into a negative state of mind. Let's be positive as much as we can. One from Carol that we didn't get round to, or actually didn't receive this in the studio yesterday, Carol, but she says, I chased Manx Care on Friday last week to ascertain how much longer my appointment to see the orthopaedic consultant regarding my knee would be. The GP referral was sent on the 22nd of July last year. Carol says, the lady who spoke to me with regard to this told me very, very curtly, it will be years and years. Any comment on that? Carol, it's one I'll send through to Manx Care, but I imagine, as was said with many of the comments yesterday, and understandably, Manx Care can't talk about individual cases, but it's certainly something I'm sure the team would be happy to pick up with you outside of that. With regard to assisted dying, Pat was in touch to say, my brother went away to have a brain tumour removed. When he went, he seemed bright and had faith that he would come back okay, but sadly they couldn't remove all the tumour. He returned home in a wheelchair, unable to walk, talk and unable to move his arm. He was like an old man and I felt like I had lost my joyful, fun-loving brother. He remained in that way, gradually going slowly downhill for two and a half years, going backwards and forwards every month to Liverpool, only to come back worse and worn out. It was just heartbreaking to watch him go through so much. George has been in touch to say there is much to be done with the assisted dying bill and if you look at the record of the current House of Keys since election, in George's opinion, they seem to be struggling with basic legislation and haven't achieved very much. It's frightening, he says, to think that some of the current members will be debating and making decisions about something so difficult and complex as this piece of legislation. And John in Farm Hill says, My concern with assisted dying is the future is unknown. For example, at the moment, things are being put into the idea, but what happens in the future should an unscrupulous government get in and all bets are off. At the moment, people can put their religion, for instance, on a census form, but can you imagine what would have been the result in Germany in the early 30s if you put Jewish? An extreme standpoint, obviously, says John, but as I said, you never know. 
And there's a message from another John saying, when is Mr Thomas, the DOI minister, giving confirmation the railway railway timetable is as 2022? Don't know the answer to that one, John, but we can certainly ask the question and find out. Um, Let's go to the lines now. And on line one, we can join Julian. Good afternoon, Julian. Hi, Beth. Um, Yeah, I was interested. uh, A couple of points that were interesting yesterday uh, on your show. Um, Nigel had an interaction with um, Dr. Ishaku Pam. And I think Dr. Ishaku, um, he rightly said about novel pharmaceuticals, and I quote from what he said yesterday, um, they have to be given to a narrow base of the population and only when they're proven to be safe as well as beyond, and by safe I mean well-structured studies, they will not then be given out on the wider scale until they understandably attain those precise parameters for safety and effectiveness. Um, I think those are very good words and should be applied to um, a lot of uh, new pharmaceuticals, I, w- I would su- suggest, would, would you? Not my place here to have an opinion, Julian, but I think um, what you're saying is right. And I think if you found Dr. Pam's words reassuring, being in the position that he is, I suppose there is that sense that that is the sense that's applied to things in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, that, he was uh, quite correct with that, I think. Um, I also touched on another thing. Um, the reason that I asked the question yesterday uh, was to do with the fact that um, jurisdictions like Canada that have legalized assisted dying, as we've been talking about recently with the Bill C-7 that's coming up shortly, um, organ harvesting has to commence within five minutes of cardiac arrest to avoid organ deterioration, and that's due to a lack of organ of um, oxygen perfusion in, in the heart and things. However, there are many doctors who are worried that brain activity can persist well beyond that five-minute time limit potentially breaking what's called the dead donor rule. And there have been quite a lot of people who've been resuscitated beyond that five-minute limit. Um, last July, on a hot day, um, Larry Brown was a 71-year-old uh, Mormel um, resident in Arkansas, and he had no pulse or breathing for eight minutes before finally receiving CPR. And he survived with no long-lasting side effects. So in theory, he was three minutes past the five-minute limit when you start the organ harvesting. So the definition is dead, of dead is different in the UK at the moment compared to the other jurisdictions that we've talked about, like Oregon and Canada and the Netherlands. Whereas in Canada, um, cardiopulmonary stoppage is sufficient to, to say that somebody has passed away, so heart and lung function. Um, but this is despite widespread condemnation from local doctors there. Because the UK at the moment also includes brainstem death alongside the lung and the heart. So there is a severe lack of research and the timing of when somebody's brain goes after the heart stops. And this is where this grey area comes in. So in the UK, it may preclude assisted dying organ donation because... It's so difficult to predict when your brain finally goes. Um, and it does appear that the, in the other jurisdictions, there may be a lack of informed consent to assisted dying participants because the guidelines in those places don't mention anything about brain activity after heart failure. So it does kind of infer that you might be sort of not clinically dead at the point of organ harvesting, if you see what I mean. 
Interesting, Julian. I'm going to have to be honest, that's probably far more advanced than uh, I can certainly understand, which is why I guess we leave it to the experts. And I mean, that case you were talking about going uh, past the time limit, I would suggest is is an extreme one. And that's the sort of thing that we see, isn't it, on social media, those extreme cases that catch our attention. Um, but yeah. yeah, interesting points. There is an added complication, and that is that the fair market price for human organs is quite high. A human heart is worth about a million dollars. And if you were to harvest an entire person that is ostensibly healthy, it's $45 million. So there is this sort of push for quite a high yield. I mean, that's 22 healthy people are worth a billion dollars. So there is this kind of commercial side of the organ donation thing of assisted dying. And then you have somebody that's willing to donate their organs. That could kind of skew the whole rush to uh, to harvest i would suggest okay thank you very much indeed julian some interesting points there and um, we can go to line two now and join david good afternoon hi beth i just wanted to talk yesterday i want to try and slip into the other side of coming from the hospital and when you you're coming out of hospital and, and the support from social services and i just wanted to put out there to that lady who's looking for a knee i think she said she was you know I waited two years, and then you get the call. But the thing is, to pressurise your doctor, if you're struggling all the time, you'll get on that list, and then they're doing uh, these initiatives again, and I know they're doing for um, uh, the eyes at the minute as well. So there's a, a lot of things that are happening in the hospital, but I just wonder what's happening, and we never get onto the subject matter of social services, where you need assistance, where it's like uh, borrowing a wheelchair, crutches... I know I had uh, quite a number of different things when I came out of hospital that was provided by um, social services and occupational health, and that was good. And I just wonder what's happening. And uh, I don't suppose, um, well, you, you're going to be doing it for a while now. You should be trying to get into uh, that side of it as well, to see like the Glenside. Glenside is constructed out of the ground now. It's moving along. I just wonder what that, because that's a state-run uh, facility, so therefore, the other option we've got is either to spend a thousand pound when you're in care, and that's the other argument I wanted to put out to people at the time there, that we should be using those facilities because we've got the likes of, if you look at the Isle of Man at the minute, right in the bay, it's 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 a great place, but is it fit for purpose? It wasn't when I was in the Isle of Man government, but we were starting to build Glenside to replace that, and that's the sort of thing we should be looking for too to help people out when they need some assistance. Good point there, David. Interesting thing is uh, thinking about things like wheelchair loans and crutches. Speaking from personal experience, yeah. my dad was in hospital for a long time over the summer and actually we found it very helpful. We've, he's got a wheelchair now and that, that happened fairly quickly. But it would be interesting uh, to find out about the process of that. So we'll do that, definitely. OK, that's great. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, David. Thank you, as ever. Um, Let's go to line three now, and we can join Nigel. Good afternoon, Nigel. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Just following up from yesterday, I was the gentleman that came on regarding the antiviral um, tablet for COVID. And I don't disagree with the doctor, obviously, and I don't disagree with the gentleman that's just come on that explaining the reason, because I wanted to know, obviously, not that it was handed out willy-nilly, but why it wasn't handed out more regular, because mine was, when I took the tablet, obviously, mine was very successful, and, and it cleared mine up very quickly. 
But the, the way that they've come across is the reason why it's not handed out on a regular basis is the fact is that they, you know, they're not sure totally if that was going to work. And, and I was given that tablet, by my, recommended by my GB to take the tablet, went to A&E and they gave me the tablet, but I didn't sign a disclaimer. They didn't say to me, do you want this as a trial tablet? They just put me on the tablet. And all I wanted to know is what happens if it went the other way and totally disagreed with me? Because it's it's not a tablet that's out on the market to sell willy nilly. What happens if something happened to me? How you know? What's the comeback on that? Because surely I should have been asked. This is a trial tablet. Would you want to take it or don't you want to take it? But they just gave it to me. Interesting point, Nigel. I wonder at what stage some degree of patient responsibility comes into that. Whereas if you're offered something, then it maybe it's up to you as the individual to ask those sort of questions at that point. Well, possibly so, but as I said yesterday, you know, I'm an underlying high-risk cancer patient. I was in a lot of pain, and I went on the advice of what the GP, they automatically sent me straight to Nobles and said, we need to put you on the antiviral tablet, which they did do, which was fine, but hearing the comments that came back, that it wasn't totally not, I'm not saying not a totally kosher tablet, but a tablet that they're not 100% sure with is why give it to a cancer patient. Interesting point, Nigel. Again, that's something else uh, that we can look into, how those sort of trials work. Thank you very much for coming back to us. You're welcome. No worries. 66 13 68, if you would like to talk about anything at all this lunchtime. But we are largely focused, aren't we, on the weather. We love talking about weather, especially when it's extreme, like it is in some parts of the island today. And we're wondering how the government prepares for weather events like this. Dan Davis is actually my husband. But he's also from the Department of Home Affairs and the chief executive there. And he has responsibility for emergency planning and resilience for the Isle of Man. Last night, the Met Office upgraded their yellow warning for snow and ice to an amber warning. And an amber warning generally means risk of disruption. So our emergency planning officer sent out a meeting for the next morning uh, for 7 a.m., and at half five this morning, a small group of people, so uh, the DOI highways manager, the Met Office, the emergency planning officer and the control room sergeant met just to assess the current position. So what, what things were like on the roads and across the island. And then um, we, we all met at uh, around about seven o'clock this morning. Uh, and um, that's that's people from right across the organisation. So people from Manx Care talking about the impact on the hospital and the emergency de- department, uh, people from the DOI to explain about what's happening on the roads, the police, the fire, and um, also colleagues from education. And uh, we, we then assessed the, the position. So, so in the Isle of Man uh, this morning, uh, for example, there had been um, a huge amount of disruption on the roads. Uh, there have probably been about 17 or 18 road traffic collisions, uh, many of them multiple. Lots of roads were blocked. Lots of the estates were impassable because of ice. Um, and the police themselves were struggling to mobilise officers and vehicles to get them uh, to where they needed to get to. Um, the hospital had really struggled overnight, particularly around ambulances getting to, to, to hospital. And obviously, if people are struggling to get around the island, then there's an impact on the health service because the health service themselves were running on uh, on on sort of fairly challenging numbers because people can't get into work. Um, so the decision was made um, to to close the schools. And a lot of that is around public safety, but also uh, making sure that if there are lots of people on the roads, it really affects the ability of people, you know, the emergency services to get around the island. So it's not a decision that's taken lightly, but a recommendation was made to the Department for Education, Sport and Culture that that, that the schools close, given the 
ability of people to get around the island. So that happened um, th th this morning early on. So we've got another meeting today at four o'clock where we'll do a bit of a forward look to understand what's happening overnight and what the weather might look like tomorrow. Chief Executive of the Department of Home Affairs, Dan Davis, working from home, looking after the children. Uh, this is Man in Line, 12.36. Let's go to the lines again now. And when I've pushed the right button, I think we will be able to join Annie on line one. Good afternoon, Annie. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, I was just thinking, in terms of trying to make things more streamlined for the health service, etc., in terms of, say, something like occupational health, the health service themselves can only cope with X amount and they've got an excess. Um, why are we not more connected with other community-based resources? Um, say if they use um, businesses that use sports massage or... Um, physio themselves or, or things like that and kind of say, right, we've got this amount that we can cope with, but we've got an excess of this and ring around all the relevant organisations in the community and sort of say, we've got this person who uh, needs help with getting mobility back after knee surgery or whatever. Um, they need to do these kinds of exercises. Could you do with them etc and use external resources so what you're thinking annie is there could be more joined up thinking essentially yeah yeah and is this something that you've got a personal experience with uh not really no but you know i just sort of see other businesses in the community that you know have these sort of fancy chairs that give back massage or sports physios that do help people um, uh, and, and gyms that help people kind of get their strength and mobility back or at, at least attempt to. Um, and I just kind of thought, well, why isn't there more joined up thinking within the community, between the community and the hospital and vice versa? Really interesting point, Annie. Thank you so much for getting in touch. No worries. Thank you. Uh, 66 13 68, an interesting point there from Annie. Um, if you are one of those businesses, perhaps, what would you think about that? Would you welcome the chance maybe to take on more patients? Have you got the capacity to do that? Because I suppose that might be an issue. 12 38, we'll be back in a moment. This is the Isle of Man talking. The Man in Line. The Man in Line. Brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com the world's leading carbon register and validation ecosystem. A few reminders there, just in case you were unsure, you are listening to The Man in Line on Manx Radio 12.41. Beth looking after things for Andy over the next couple of weeks. Uh, some of your texts and emails. Texter ending 854 says, just wondering if schools should have their own autonomy over here. If they open on days like this, each head, master, mistress could assess and make their own decision. This happened, says this texter, when we lived in Cheshire and it meant some schools could continue to open where it's safe to do so. Um, guessing it is a centrally made decision, but it's an interesting point. Would some of the schools have been able to open if all the teachers had been nearby? Um, MT, Tragedy by the Bee Gees. That's from Dave from Peel. 
Thank you very much. Sue says, I saw a finance programme this morning which talked about tax-free childcare where parents in the UK can get some government assistance towards childcare costs up to the age of 11. Does anyone know if it happens here? If not, why not? Um, Ian says, I sent a text yesterday regarding assisted dying. I'm going to resend it as I want the public to be made aware. And I don't think a podcast from yesterday would reach most of the age demographic of the man in line. Um, not sure if I've got that email, Ian, or whether that's just you telling me about it. Um, text to ending 786. Looks like the DOI has messed up again. No grit on the roads and the island comes to a standstill. How does it happen in this day and age? To be fair, I saw a lot of grit on the roads when I was driving in this morning. I think we heard a little bit from uh, Dan Davis earlier just about how the emergency planning rules sort of kick in in an event of uh, extreme weather in parts of the island like this. And I suppose that's it, isn't it? It's still a science in some ways. It is quite hard to predict. And we just got it through the Central Valley this morning with other areas having nothing at all. And another text saying the iconic Edward Pier blockhouse is being knocked down today. Let me look into that one. But over the past few weeks, several complaints have been made about gas bills from Ireland's Energy Group. And we've seen so many comments on social media, things like like bills not appearing to inaccurate amounts being taken from accounts, people suggesting that meter readings haven't been taken when they're told that they have. Well, I've been talking to the group's chief financial officer, Gareth Fuchs, to find out what has been going on. I understand that this is very frustrating for some of our customers who've been impacted by this. And also with the cost of living crisis, it's a concerning time as well. We put a new uh, billing system in uh, back in July, um, which will absolutely improve what we do for our customers but we've had some teething issues and some learnings with that system as well we've rectified a lot of the issues that have happened but are still clearing through that backlog of issues for customers still now so some of these issues would include gas bills being produced out of sequence i suppose people would want to know why that was happening and also the, there's a letter that was sent round to customers saying gas bills may be higher than customers expect. Why is that? What happened is we had a number of customers, around 1,500 customers across across the group as a whole, just over 1,000 in the Isle of Man, who their bills weren't being produced, some from as far back as July, some from October. And we've identified those customers and we're conscious that we were going to be sending them multiple bills. So before we sent those bills to the customers, obviously we looked very hard to make sure that um, that they were correct. And then we wrote to all of those customers individually. We sent one letter to, to cash payers and another letter to customers who pay their whole bill in, in direct debit. And it's in that note that we say that we recognise that the bills may be higher because those people haven't had bills for a long time. So they've actually got a number of bills coming through. So that's the part of it, that there's a number of bills that people will receive at one time. Within that letter as well, we've said to people, as we say to everyone, if you have any problems in, in paying your bills, contact us. And for those direct debit customers who, who would have the full value taken, we've given them a, a special code to, to contact us with so that they can get straight through because we know there are long waiting times as well. With regard to direct debit, some customers are claiming that much higher amounts are being taken out of their accounts. I suppose it leads to the question, is the energy group in some sort of financial issue where it needs more money? No, no, not at all. Where we've seen larger amounts being taken, we have seen seen some instances of, of estimates that are that are higher. 
Um, they do go through a, a checking process um, before they're issued out, but some of those are slipping through and we're working with the team and, and with the system as well to ensure that we capture all of those and they don't go out. Um, that's the only reason people would see higher amounts coming out with a direct debit. That's the Chief Financial Officer for the Islands Energy Group, Gareth Fuchs. Again, you can listen to that full interview online at manxradio.com. Uh, just very quickly, we had that comment about schools. Here's the Home Affairs, um, what's he called, Chief Executive Dan Davis, with a response to that one. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe sort of 40, 50 years ago, people would, you know, teachers would live in their local area and would walk to school, but we're a lot more spread out as a population now. And there are issues with people who, who hold keys to open schools who might not live in the area. There are also lots of teachers don't necessarily live in their area. So once we have an understanding that travel is generally difficult across the island, which it was this morning, then the decision to to close the schools is made. So it, it, it's it's not just you know, is is Braddon School able to open because people can walk to Braddon? Um, you know, th- there are lots of teachers for Braddon who might live out of area. So just using them as an example. So it's it really has to be an island wide decision because people have to travel across the island to get to their to their schools. Hope that answers that question for you. Let's go back to the lines and join Betty now. Good afternoon, Betty. Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to say that I was nursing two for years and I have experienced somewhat different attitudes than the lady who spoke earlier. Uh, I have experienced people begging to die, including relatives of my own. And I just feel quite strongly that those people who want to have a sister dying should be able to have it and that they should bring in really stringent rules so that it couldn't be abused. I know it does get abused. I know, but abuse happens in all ways of life and in dying. Um, So I'm in favour of assisted dying. It's really interesting, Betty, given your experience of nursing and just thinking how difficult how emotional it must be when somebody says that sort of thing to you when you're working in that position yes it is it's it's awful really you know um so you you shouldn't make rules just that it can't happen i just think that um if the government was good enough they could make rules so that it couldn't be abused easily I mean, things can always be abused if people really want to do it. Um, this happens in life in all sorts of things and not just in with a sister dying, you know. Thank you so much, Betty, for taking the time to call in. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh, you too. I remember you for being on the uh, wireless years ago and your husband too. Oh, I know. Wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much, Betty. Really appreciate it. Thank you indeed. Um, let us go to some of more of your texts and emails now. Um, 
Something from Justin. How ironic that I can't listen to points of public interest for more than a minute without your broadcast dropping out. Is it just my mobile phone? Is this a common issue on too much of a hot potato to air? Um, first time I've had a, a message from you, Justin. So I'm hoping that it's not an issue that's more widespread. We certainly haven't heard of any issues. Clearly, 7am, says this texter, was much too late for their meeting this morning. The heavy snow was falling at midnight. David says there needs to be a responsible person to make the decisions in a more timely manner. The government used to finance rehabilitation in Ramsey Pool, then it stopped. Why? That's from Rosemary. Um, Texter ending 447, I think it's James, saying, can you ask the DOI why they've removed the salt bin in Springfield Avenue? It will be needed in the next few days with a forecast. forecast. I've tried ringing, but no answer. Certainly, James, we can put that to the DOI and see if we can get a response on that. And Terry wants to know how true the story is on the street that the DOI have purchased this year, a cheaper salt and grit, and it's not so good as the previous one, and that's why the roads are in such a state. Again, yep, we'll put that to the DOI. Sue's been in touch with regard to assisted dying, saying just a quick suggestion, maybe have an opt-out option to assisted dying. My daughter has just had a child, so I'm needed at the moment. It would be nice to watch them grow up. I wouldn't want someone to make that decision on my behalf. Civil servants, says Sue, can be cruel. Finally, I certainly don't want my organs sold in China. Rosemary says, I'd like to make a living will. I've told my family and friends that when the medical profession say there's nothing more that can be done for me and when I can't look after myself, I don't want to be put in a home. I want to be given a pill. I'm 76 now, so this time could be getting closer. So I can't wait for this option to be available to me. G says, perhaps the Isle of Man government could consider waiving or reducing tax payments for health professionals to attract or keep staff. And uh, Dick's been in touch to say, I wanted to ask yesterday about the waiting list initiative of £18 million extra from Timwald and why Manx Care chose to give £12 million of that money to a relatively small Scottish company who's not more than an employment agent to shorten our waiting list. Um, their turnover is less than a million pounds, a fraction of the twelve million pounds that we're actually giving to them. They have assets below a million, according to Dick. Uh, so, who was it in Manx Care that chose such a small company as them, and why them of all the agencies we could have chosen to help when they are much bigger and more experienced firms? They must be laughing all the way to the bank. What's well, interesting, we had David on the program yesterday, speaking very positively about his experience uh, with that group. So. Um, definitely two sides to a story there isn't it funny says this texter how the subject of assisted dying brings out people's dark side rob says where is our road tax money going it's certainly not towards gritting in the snowy periods it's certainly not going on road markings and it's certainly not going to repair roads Uh, a couple of minutes before the end of the program let's quickly go to Lindsay on line one good afternoon hello uh, i'm just ringing off with regards to what betty said I'd just like to say I too have nursed for many years and as I said before I've seen people who have begged for death and have rallied and I myself being one of those people and I'll tell you what I'm so glad nobody took I'm so glad people didn't take notice of me because I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to hear that you're here as well, Lindsay. And again, yeah, it just yeah. shows, again, this, this subject has got two very definite sides to it. Most definitely. And you've not only yourself to think of, you've got your children to think of, your grandchildren, because laws that are made now, they'll only get worse. Lindsay? The goalposts goal will be widened. Sorry. 
to go no, on. Not at all. No, no problem at all. We've just got another caller waiting, but I really appreciate you getting in thank touch. You, thank you thank so you. much. Listen, listen, could you also help me? Could you tell me how you opt out from this donor card? You have to go to the website as far as I'm aware. Let me come back to you that, that Lindsay, Thank because you. I've got your, your number. We'll come back to you on that and give you all those details. Uh, let's just very quickly go to line two and join Steve. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? Um, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. What would you like to say? Good. I'm just listening to the criticism of the DOI. Um, I want to give a bit of good news. Um, I phoned yesterday, the DOI, got through straight away. Um, just to report, our salt box was empty. Um, they arrived this morning, filled it up, and also while they were there, they salted our road. Um, so just a shout out to the DOI, really. That's it. Oh, that's lovely, Steve. It's great, again, to get these positive comments. Um, and so in your experience, all good from them. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I sometimes hear them get criticised, like lots of other places get criticised. People find it very easy to criticise these days, but they don't seem to find it easy to praise people when they do good things. So, um, yeah, I think we should be doing a bit more praising and a lot less criticising. Thank Love you that. that. Thank you very much indeed, Steve. Really appreciate that. And that is what this programme is about. Comments on anything, anything that you're thinking about, whether it be positive or negative. And as Steve says there, it is really nice sometimes to focus on some of the more positive things. Once again, I haven't got to all your texts and emails that you've sent in this afternoon, but I will go away and read them all now. And as ever, if there are any questions that need to be put to any government departments or authorities over here, we will do that and bring the answers to you as soon as we have. Them. Well, that was unexpected. Remember when ringtones sounded like this? All this week on Manx Radio, if you can identify some classic tunes by their polyphonic ringtones, you could win an incredible 24-month Manx Telecom Smart Unlimited phone contract worth over £850. Listen out for the ringtone, text the name of the song to 166167, then be listening to this Friday's afternoon show to see if you're a winner. It's Polyphonic Pop. All this week with Manx Telecom and your nation station, Manx Radio. Right. Well, that's just a reminder about that. I think it all went a little bit technically inept there. Um, just quickly, some other text messages that have come in. Lovely photos of the snowy scenes around the island this morning. Please, would you share some of my posts regarding our Manxy Oren Smith, who is out in the freezing snow in the Spine Run. We heard from him uh, yesterday on the programme. He is smashing it, 150 miles done. He's lying in sixth place, which is absolutely incredible. Over £5,000 now raised for the small local charity the MS Society Isle of Man. Uh, Sharon's been in touch to say I've been waiting almost four years for an appointment to see the bone surgeon. Um, could a Manx Radio presenter ask a representative of the Fire Brigade to read out the facts on problems putting out fires on electric vehicle um, batteries? Um, message from Sue in Port Aaron. Unfortunately, that didn't all come through, Sue, unfortunately. Um, let's call ourselves the Isle of Death, a great tourist attraction. I think this is with regard to assisted dying and some comments that were made about us promoting that over here. And assisted dying will be requested by the individual and assessed on an individual basis. Nobody will be forced into it, says Sue. I've read the survey and question eight clearly asks if you are not in favour or not and gives a box for reasons. If you're not in favour, some of the other questions might not 
apply, there is an option to say no to all of them. And just finally, somebody's messaging to say, we have visitors coming over and they like to take the horse tram, we'll have to be a bus to the horse tram, and the MER to Ramsey. They still can't access the timetable on the website. What is the delay and will it be the same as 2022? So as I say, thank you very much indeed for all your comments and questions and crucially your phone calls this afternoon. It's really lovely to speak to you on air. Uh, We will be keeping you right up to date with everything that's happening around the island, road-wise, etc. this afternoon. So do keep an an eye online. There's a a post on there. I'll be back tomorrow at midday. Hopefully you have worked out how to hit the buttons. Christy D is coming up next.